You're listening to Secrets of a Bridal Seamstress podcast. I'm your host, Nadine Bozeman. In this podcast, I'm sharing business systems and strategies specifically tailored to the bridal sewing industry so you can build your own modern and profitable bridal alterations business. Join me as I also get to chat with fellow seamstresses and share their personal success stories. I'm so glad you're here and that we can grow together in this unique trade. Hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of Secrets of a Bridal Seamstress. I'm so glad that you're here because today we've got some fun stuff going on. Okay, so I'm going to dive right in. The first fun thing (laughs) is I have a download available for you. And this circles back to an episode a couple weeks ago featuring the magic of our four weekly phases and how we can implement just our body flow into our business planning. You gave me some great feedback and I got some really fun DMs from you. So I made a chart that you can download for free. And this chart divides up our are just regular, almost daily routines that we go through. I shouldn't say daily, but our mundane tasks, right, that we have as bridal seamstresses. And I divided them up into our different weeks. So some of us may be able to change our routine a little bit to reflect um, the time of the month that we should be doing specific tasks. Or this list can even just help you feel not crazy if you're feeling like you're like working against the grain or you just can't get the flow going. And it may be because the specific week that you're in isn't ideal for that task. So I divided up the tasks into the different phases and um, you can maybe print it out, put it on your office wall as an encouragement or put it on your your mirror or something. (laughs) But ideally, I love if you could try... um, you know, putting these tasks into specific weeks and see if that makes a difference in your business. So if you try it out and it works, let me know. I'd really be interested to hear what that outcome looks like for you. So that is available in the show notes. You can find that free download or you can head to our website, secretsofbridalseamstresspodcast.com to download that free gift. So hope that's a good resource for you. Okay, the second reason I'm excited about this episode, it's a little bit longer if you haven't noticed, and that's because I'm featuring one of our recent trainings within our membership. So you could get a sneak peek of what happens in our Secrets of Bridal Seamstress online membership. Our trainer is Jessica Guzikowski, and her name may sound familiar to you because she's actually been a speaker on the podcast. She talked about building community um, as a local service-based business owner. And uh, that was the topic of the podcast. It was also the topic of a training she led in the membership. So she came in the membership and really fleshed out that idea. And she gave us some really good prompts to help us be assertive as not only community members, but leaders within our local wedding industry or our local wedding scene. You know, sometimes bridal seamstresses, for whatever reason, we're not seen as like legit wedding vendors. And it's like, um, excuse me. So sometimes that does um, fall on us. It's up to us to be assertive with ourselves, um, to maybe plan some styled shoots or, you know what, I'm talking too much and I don't want to give much away of what she's going to be teaching us. So I hope you get a lot out of this training. I know that I love loved it. But before we start listening, I have a disclaimer. So you know, whenever there's a disclaimer, it's going to be good. But the thing about the membership is it's a smaller group of us. Um, we're, I think that we're pretty tight knit. Um, we have a private 
um, chat group. We have uh, monthly trainings. And then we also have follow-up calls so we can talk about the trainings or talk about you know things that are happening within our studio or with our clients. And those follow-up calls are not recorded. Um, but what happens from that is we're able to just be a little bit more open with each other and I don't want to use the word like direct because sometimes that like sounds rude, but it's true because we have a good relationship and we can talk things out. So there's a topic that comes up <laughs> with uh, within this training where I am a little direct. Okay, so I just wanted to give you that disclaimer. Obviously, with our podcast listeners, I am not super direct because I can't have individual conversations with all of you listeners and to make sure that you know like where I'm coming from and, you know, like that we can like have open discussions. So it's a little bit different how I approach topics with this wide audience, as opposed to how I approach topics within the membership of the smaller group of women who are like, you know, we're, we just have more communication back and forth. So are you like on the edge of your seat to hear what the controversial topic is? <laughs> Uh, before and afters. Okay. So we weren't even really talking about social media. We were talking about building community on social media and how to include all the wedding vendors within, you know, our social media posts. Um, so one of our members had a really great question because her bridal shop, um, you know, we like to tag the, um, the feeding bridal shops, but her particular shop said, don't tag us in before and afters, please, because we don't want to be seen as, you know, giving, um, brides the wrong size, which, or selling, you know, the wrong size. And I feel like you and I totally have been in situations where we literally have thought, um, why did you sell this poor woman this dress? But anyway, that's another topic for another day. That's another soapbox (laughs) for another day. But, um, her question, uh, I interjected with my opinion about before and afters. And so like it led to further conversation within the membership, but got to just get it out here. I am not really a fan of before and afters for myself. And I have two reasons for that. Cause I know like some of you are like all about before and afters and you're like, how could she say that? So here's, here's why. Number one, um, my ICA is not a bride who wants a reconstructed wedding gown. Okay. So before and afters do not reach my ICA and your ICA is your ideal client avatar. So that is like specifically who you want to be working with, what kind of dresses you want to be working with. And knowing your ICA gives you a very crystal clear vision of who you're speaking to on your website, on every social media post. And if you don't have clarity on who your ICA is, you're basically posting to like the universe. And it's like, whoever wants to come work with me, work with me. Um, Your marketing is so powerful, probably more powerful than you ever realized. So every picture that you post, um, every word that you include in your text under your post, your website text, what you include about you on your website, the photos that you use on your website, what information you disclose and you don't disclose on your website, those all attract a specific client. It's really cool. Once you know what you're doing, it's kind of like magic and it can filter, cipher out some clients that you wouldn't ideally want to work with. So for me, my ICA does not include reconstructed wedding gowns. I'll do like two a year. Um, Like this year, I had a gal who's, you know, wearing her mom's wedding gown. So I got to do that. And then I I recently had um, like a transformation gown. And it's kind of like on a case by case basis. So I don't promote that. And 
there's no reason for me to post before and afters because I'm not reaching my client. I'm I'm basically, if I'm posting before and afters, I feel like it's reaching my peers, not like you, not my clients. Does that make sense? So if you're like, oh my gosh, but I love reconstructed gowns. Like I, I love posting before and afters. Okay. So that leads to my second point. If you know that your ICA is like drastic makeover gowns and that's who you want to attract, there's a way to do that. And there's a way that I feel like personally shouldn't be done. And what I see frequently, whether on websites or social media posts, are these pretty unflattering before pictures of brides. And, you know, I I mentioned this in the training, like our brides are in their most vulnerable moment when they come to us and the dress doesn't fit. You know, this poor girl has like seven inches to get the dress to zip or like, you know, she has like side boob problems or whatever. Like um, so many times I've seen before and afters that just showcase a bride in like her worst state. And yes, okay, the after is amazing and she looks so good and she's so confident and the corset is, you know, chef's kiss or whatever. Like the work is impeccable and the gussets look like you can't even see them. But we really need to be considerate of um, how we're portraying our bride in the before picture. And so from most of kind of what I've seen, I'm like, I don't know, that just doesn't really fit my brand. And I don't like posting before and afters. And I know, like, oh, please don't come after me for this, because I know some people do this so well. So if this is your business strategy, I get it. No shade on that. But I do think there is a way to um, professionally and respectfully post our before and afters in a way that works for our business and also works well for our brides. And Jessica addresses some of these topics surrounding before and afters, like, you know, having your clients consent. Um, Sometimes I look at these pictures and I'm like, I feel like if the bride knew that their picture would be taken, that they'd wear like different underwear. You know what I mean? It's like, did they know that they're going to be part of like, you know, your free marketing or, um, do you, you know, that consent piece is really big. So there are just other considerations that should go, you know, into taking these before and after pictures. If that's really your jam, you know what I'm saying? I don't feel like a face should be included in the before pictures or even the after because we then we'll know what she looks like what her, when she's undressed <laughs> or when, you know, those unseemly parts are not fitting in the dress. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like, just kind of got to take a step back because this is, I think, traditionally something that's been done within our industry. Like, oh, this is what I do. So I'm going to share before and after pictures. And we don't really think about like, what is the professional way to do this? You know? There are a couple accounts. I'm going to use Instagram accounts. I know there are websites that do this really well too, but just to make it easier for you, I have a couple accounts to share with you so you can just like look them up right away and get some good examples of people who professionally share before and afters. So the first one is the Gilted Thimble. Um, I love the way that they share their before and afters because both photos um, respectfully portray the bride. So it's it's actually really cute. They have beautiful lighting. Um, it's not like, okay, this dark photo of like, you know, an open back of a dress that doesn't close. It's like, it's a flattering lighting situation. And it's also a flattering pose on the bride. And the bride's face is not shown in either photo. Um, so um, I feel like this actually could be like a whole new episode. So we could come back to this, but I just want to go through this really quickly before you get into the training. Um, So Gilded Thimble, I think a lot of their posts actually are the before and after shots, um, but you can check that out because both are so respectful and really just uplift the woman in both 
before and after pictures. You know what I'm saying? It also uplifts the the artist who does the work. So both parties are, I think, being you know, honored really well. Um, another fun uh, way to do this is to follow Hemming and Fitz, or is it Hemmings and Fitz? I think it's Hemming. I'm going to have both of their um, Instagram handles in our notes, so you can just click on them and check that out. But Hemming and Fitz, uh, they are the gals who do those really fun reels, like the fast forward reels, or I don't know if I'm that's the right term. But um, the bride's face is not showing. And it's clever because they don't even post the professional after photos. So you don't know like what the bride looks like at the end. Like you don't know who it is ever. Um, But obviously they have great success because they have like a ton of followers and they have a really simple recipe. They're just posting um, reels of themselves pinning the bride. Another reason why I really love this is the emphasis is on the seamstresses themselves and how they're pinning, what seams they're focusing on. So we're looking at their work in action as opposed to just the, um, the, the bride. Does that make sense? Like it's not the bride's body as much as it is like, oh, the work that they're doing to get the bride to get the perfect fit. Um, so those two accounts are really fun. Um, and I think that they, and I know there are so many more out there that do before and afters in a really beautiful way. So I'm not in any way saying these are the only two out there who are doing it right. But I just love following these accounts for um, for that reason. So there is a tasteful way to do before and afters the correct way if that is who you want to attract. Um, but for me personally too, it's not my ICA, so my marketing does not include drastic before and afters because I don't really want to serve those brides. It's not that I don't really, I know that I don't want to. <laughs> okay, so, okay, with that, let's dive into the training. Um, let me know if you have any questions about things that were addressed or um, about the membership and um, take some notes. There's really good points to pay attention to. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Thanks for tuning in. Oh, I'm so sorry. That was a false alarm. We still have our giveaway going on. So um, you're, uh, we're switching up the rules a little bit. So rather than only sharing on your stories, sharing the podcast on your stories, there's a second way to enter this weekly giveaway um, is by leaving um, a review. Okay. So I want to just establish a little bit of what you can expect to learn today. I just want to make sure I'm not missing comments. Okay. So we're going to talk about where are my favorite places to effectively build community, um, how you can do that. So what are some strategies for reaching out to these different places, how you can get plugged in, um, and some action steps about what you can do immediately to start creating a community you love. I'm big on workshop style. So if you have questions, please let me know as we're going through, I want to answer them for you. If I don't have an answer, I will get it for you and get back to you. Um, but I like to answer as we go so you don't forget what your questions were. Um, so you can either plug those in the chat box. Um, and Nadine, do you want to keep an eye on the chat box for me and just yeah, let me know? Yeah. We have? Thank you. Okay. Awesome. <clears throat> okay. So obviously there are a ton of different places that you can build community as any kind of business owner, but these are six of the best places in my opinion. Um, one is going to be bridal expos. We're going to get into these things in a little more detail. Bridal expos, social media, obviously, is something that we are all using in today's day and age to build our businesses. Volunteering, um, in-person networking, bridal boutique partnerships, and styled photo shoots. So these are the kind of six things that we're going to dive into. Three, we're going to kind of just skirt the top of them. 
um, because each of them are, could be their own topic and we could talk about it for hours. And then the other three, we're going to kind of get into in a little bit more detail. So the first three, first one obviously is bridal expos. And I have chatted with Nadine a little bit about this because bridal expos can be tricky for a seamstress uh, mm -hmm. because they take a lot of time, effort, energy, money. And so you want to think about, you know, is this really worth your time, effort, energy, and money? And do you think okay. your ideal client is going to live at this bridal expo? So big events versus boutique style. I'm a bigger fan for your niche in particular to look at boutique style events, making sure that you know who the other vendors are going to be, what kind of target audience they're bringing in, and um, probably partnering with some other business that you maybe work with on the regular uh, mm -hmm. to do those together. Because if you're not doing expos a lot, you don't want to spend hundreds of dollars on you know special shelving and signs and installments and all sorts of different things that you're never going to use again or maybe use once a year. Uh, whereas other people who are maybe members of the bridal community might do events every weekend. So just being conscious of that large events, I would attend as a guest, you know, so that's an opportunity for you to get to know other vendors, put your name in their mind um, and start building those relationships that you can then connect with on social media later and then continue to build those relationships. So that's really where I would suggest putting your focus. You don't need to spend thousands of dollars on a bridal expo, nor would I suggest that you do that. Um, and because really in the, on those big expos, at least as a bride, in my own experience, I didn't go there to spend money, right? I went there to look and get ideas and totally. maybe to a few vendors, but really you're kind of there to just get ideas. You've paid 20 bucks to get in or whatever it is. So uh, you just want to be very mindful of the space that you're putting your business in and where your energy is going. And so those smaller boutiques style, like Nadine has put on a few, if you can find them in your area, then that's a good opportunity to um, get plugged into that local community. Mm -hmm. And I can even within our Facebook group, I can talk more about how to initiate um, planning your own boutique style bridal expo. It's, it's easier than you think. And it's so much fun and really rewarding. And then, um, Jessica, I think you mentioned this when you spoke on the podcast about expos, about, um, bringing like little treat bags or a snack mm -hmm. or yeah. local bridal boutiques who are set up at the expos and they're there. Like my, um, my, my bigger, my two like biggest feeder shops, they go to these big expos every year. And it's like, you know, they're planning for months and it's this huge commitment. It's a three-day event around here. Um, and, uh, I love how you said we can go to those and bring like a little snack pack or something for mm -hmm. what would be our feeder, um, bridal shops or even like photographers that are, that are close to your specific area or florists or find people that are kind of hyper local to you and just drop off like a granola bar on a water and, I loved that idea. That really stuck with me. Cause mm -hmm. it's like short and sweet. You're not like lingering at their booth. Yeah. Yeah. Blessing them. Yeah. That's awesome. Food is a great icebreaker. And <laughs> if you've, if you've done any kind of market or expo, you know, that like, that's usually the last thing on your list is remembering to bring yourself food. So, uh, yeah, just having that ability to just be like, hey, you know, I'm a local seamstress. I would love to chat about working together, but I also know that you're working really hard. You're seeing lots of clients right now. So here's a snack. Maybe the water bottle has one of those labels on it with your contact information, um, you know, that you can get on Etsy. 
and just yeah. print out and tape on something like that. And that's really easy way to just connect without feeling like you're being salesy. Um, and then also you get to meet all these people because there's a huge benefit, not just in building your business, but also in like, hey, these people understand what I'm going through or what it's like to work in the bridal space. And so building those relationships is a huge, you know, non-monetary part of it as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. So next, social media. Now, I could talk about social media for hours, but I'm not going to today. I'm going to just touch on a few things. Social media is where you are going to be nurturing your local relationships and building your relationships nationwide. I do not want you to think of social media as the place where you are going to get all of your clients because it's just not true. It's not going to be the place where you find everybody that you're going to work with. And if you're killing yourself creating content because you know that your people are out there searching for certain hashtags and they're going to find you. It's not, it can't be your only plan, right? So social media is fantastic, but it is better to meet people in person where you can and nurture your relationships using social media than to be constantly churning out content that you don't know if it's bringing anybody in and you're frustrated and you don't know what to do next. So really focus on when you meet people that could be potential uh, referrals, potential boutiques you could work with, potential clients, connecting with them on social media, and then commenting on their stuff, sending them DMs to connect, to get to know them, because that's really where the gold is in social media. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Don't spend most of your time here. Your time is better spent nurturing your in-person relationships and building out a really great customer experience because that's going to create referrals, right? Build your community and your network larger without you really having to do much because they're just already talking about you. And then a byproduct of that is that your social media will grow because these people um, already know, like, and trust you based on their friends' thoughts and opinions. Mm -hmm. So can I, um, can I ask, because I feel like there is so much pressure to be so visible on social media and to like always be present and be consistently posting and mm-hmm. kind of compare, um, like who, what kind of business does that serve as opposed mm-hmm. to us? We're local service-based businesses. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Can you talk through the difference of that. Absolutely. So the main difference is that if you are a, an online service provider, for example, you can work with anybody in the entire world, right? You can work with people in India, in France, in Australia, wherever, right? So your content does not have to be location specific. So you have a much higher opportunity to use keywords that are going to get the right people to land on your page. However, when you are an in-person service-based business, your keywords have to be so hyper-specific and you have to know that your clients are looking for those specific keywords. Are they going on Instagram and typing in Seamstress Olympia Washington? Are they doing that? And if they are, are you using that in your content to draw those people in? Because if you are, and this is one of the biggest mistakes I see across the board with um, lots of uh, service providers who do only in-person services is creating content for their fellow service providers, right? Like that's fun and it's fantastic if you want to do it, but it's not going to do anything for your business, right? Especially if you're creating content for people who are technically competitors in your space, 
like they're not going to refer people to you probably they're because they're, they have their own audience that they likely want to hold on to unless they're in a different area from you. And so really what you're doing is telling yourself that you're working when really it's just kind of doing stuff for fun. Um, and I'm a fan of that. It's a little harsh. (laughs) I'm like, Ooh, but but it's true because you, (laughs) and that's part of the community part of it, right? Like I want this community. So if I create all these reels that people can, um, other service providers can relate to, then I'm going to build that community, which is great, but it's not going to build your business. So you have to really know that, that there's a separation there. And if your goal is to serve other service providers and eventually create a business doing that, then great, do it. But if that's not your goal, then you have to think about how do my potential customers feel when they land on my page and see me making reels about other seamstresses or about how um, being a seamstress makes me feel or about frustrations with clients. Like, how does that make my client feel? Mm -hmm. So you really have to think about your messaging and what that is building for you or what it's not building for you. And yes, that is harsh and it can be a hard conversation to have because sometimes we create content for ourselves, but ultimately social media is for you to serve somebody else. So we really have to look at it through that lens. And yes, I know that's a little hard. (laughs) No, I was, I, yeah. And Jessica and I are good friends. So I, I hope you guys know that I wasn't being serious when I said that, but I think it's so good because as like with what we do, we are, we do everything in our business. So if it's not, I know I've talked about this before in our Facebook group, like if it's not making money, it's like, okay, what can we put to the side? Because our time is our money and our energy is our money, you know? So mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> but it's yeah. like, doesn't need to be said. <laughs> Absolutely. As long as we are, you know, because I don't ever want to be someone who's like, oh, we don't have fun. We only work, you know, if it's not making us money, we shouldn't do it, but we shouldn't lie to ourselves and tell ourselves that we're working when we're definitely not right. When we're creating, and that's so easy to do it's easy for me to just get on Instagram and be like, Oh, well, I'm working. Cause I'm researching reels. Like, no, I'm not. <laughs> you know, like, I'm wasting time is what I'm doing. So we all, we all fall into that. <laughs> so, oh, um, <laughs> like I said, social media is something we could dive into much deeper, but I just kind of wanted to skirt yes. over the top of it. Cause I know you guys have talked about it a lot. Um, and we have to get you back to do just a specific training about that. That would be awesome. Anyway. Okay. Yeah. I would love to. Uh, okay. So another, another thing is volunteer opportunities. So doing good in your community. Now, is this a direct moneymaker? No, but it is going to allow you the opportunity to connect with people that you would not have connected with before. And it allows you to kind of fill your cup in that way that only volunteering can do. Right. And you never know who you're going to meet in these spaces. Right. You just never know. I have two clients that I met who um, have worked with me on a long-term basis because we happen to volunteer at a bridal uh, or not a bridal, a prom um, boutique together. And it was um, for girls who didn't have money to buy prom dresses. And so we volunteered as stylists, which is like so fun. If you ever get to do that, it's super fun. Um, so we got to like help them pick out shoes and, and dresses and all the things. And then we as stylists got to be friends and now they're clients of mine. So it was kind of, I kind of got a little bit of everything from that experience and it's just fun to be able to, to reach out to your community and um, 
be more than just a service provider, also be somebody who's like really um, touching base with people who need it and providing the help where we can. Um, so I did some research. Now I, because I'm not a seamstress, I have not worked with any of these organizations. So my disclaimer is please vet them before you work with them. But um, here are a few uh, volunteer opportunities where you can volunteer as a seamstress, you can volunteer as a stylist, different things. And they, most of these have pop-up boutiques that are kind of all over the country. And so as um, the COVID restrictions are lifting, they're doing them again. Say a lot of them hadn't done them for a while. So it's a, it's a good opportunity to just get into your community and you never know who you're going to meet or what relationship you're going to build there. <clears throat> okay. So those are the three that we're going to kind of skirt over. Now we're going to go into a little more detail on the next three. Okay, so boutique partnerships. Okay. Sorry, we have a question from Kathy. When a bridal yes. boutique refers someone to me, do I thank them? And if so, can I do it through social media? This is a great question. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I would... Um, especially if you receive photos back from a bride, I always tag the referring boutique and I, and I do more than tag. I'll say she got her dress from this store. Um, actually I just did that yesterday. And instead of like just tagging the store, I made, I made them part of the description of the gown. Um, and that's just the, that's such a great shout out and you're advertising for them. It's a great thank you. Um, I don't know if you'd want to do that on social media before the bride like leaves your studio. Like, I don't know if I would acknowledge the shop as I'm working on the dress or like, thanks for sending this bride my way. But if, um, if you can get a hold of those photos from the bride, you know, always include the referring shop to your post. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And I, um, actually, I'm glad you brought that up because part of what I was going to talk about today is sending out actual physical thank you cards. So that, you know, you can do the social media part of it, um, after you have photos, but before then you can always send out an actual physical thank you card. There's something about that that is a little bit more of a visceral experience for people. And they remember you when you take the time to do that. And, you know, really thank you cards should take you a few minutes if you have them already ready to go and you can get them printed, you know, on Vistaprint or something with your logo on them. And then they're easy, easy to do and send out. And even if you just do them once a month, like, okay, these are all the people that were referred to me. So that way you're, if you have one boutique that's referring a bunch to you, you're not sending them 10 thank you cards, right? You just send them one. Thank you for, you know, multiple referrals this month. We really, or I really appreciate, you know, your trust in me and that kind of thing. <clears throat> um, okay. So I am assuming that most of you are doing partnerships with bridal boutiques, whether that's because you've gone out and sought it out, or it just kind of has happened by happenstance or referral based. Uh, but I really encourage you, if you aren't actively seeking out boutique partnerships, to do it. Um, find local boutiques on social media. This is where you can really start to cultivate a relationship with these boutiques. Showing up at a boutique and being like, hey, I want to meet you is okay. But usually, like you, they're busy, right? <laughs> so, um, and there may not be the right person there for you to meet, and it just might not turn out how you hope it will. So if you start to cultivate that relationship on social media first, 
not trying to get sales, not asking them for referrals, but just um, sending messages, genuinely getting to know them, commenting on their imagery. And that really allows you to not only build that relationship, but find out like, is this really, is this a boutique that I want an active partnership with? Um, because there are, there might be some that you don't, there might be some that work with a different client than your ideal client is. There might be some that are in a different price point from where your target price point is. So it all depends on, you know, what their business looks like and, and the people who are running it and the culture they've created. And you want to be mindful of that too. Right. Um, we want that the is, same. Ex- yeah. Oh, go ahead. Um, there's a shop in Seattle that I started following and I love that you brought this up because my goal was just to drive up there, meet them. But then I started seeing the photos that they're posting and, um, basically what kind of dresses that they're selling. And I was like, I don't even want to work on these dresses. Like I don't want to, you know, and then that door just closed naturally. And mm-hmm. I also wanted to remind you guys that Kirsten posted, um, what she made on Canva. She made this great, like introduction to her business that she emailed to businesses. So that was kind of her second step. So it was like the social media, you know, reaching out and then she emailed them, um, which was a great idea. So I wanted to remind you guys that we have that in the Facebook group. Oh, so well, yeah. oh. Ask, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say that's, that's really like pitching yourself. Like if you're going to pitch yourself for any kind of PR, like a podcast or any kind of interview or feature, it's the same thing, right? You're pitching yourself to these boutiques because they have a, a lot of choices, right? There's a lot of options for people they could send their customers to. So you want to set yourself apart as the point of difference and really forge not just a business relationship, but a more personal connection where they feel like they they know, like, and trust you, and they know that you're going to take care of their clients in the best way possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I actually just got back from meeting with one of the salons that I reached out to just right before I hopped on the call. Oh, and awesome. it was like, it was really great to actually like go there and have a conversation with them so they can learn about me and I can learn about them and, you know, the brides that they serve. So, um, in the end, I got on their list. So that was Yay! really good. <laughs> That's good great. You. Ooh, you, your momentum is like awesome right now. That's very exciting. That's um, fantastic. Aga said, a salon that sends me brides does not want to be tagged in before and after pictures because girls don't necessarily understand the pins and it may be scary for them. Totally get that. Also, they don't want people to think that they sold an ill-fitting dress. It was tough since just tagging them pictures of pretty dresses helps their business, but doesn't fully show my work. What's your perspective? I personally do not post any before and after pictures just because I feel like that's kind of like the most vulnerable part of the alterations experience. You know what I mean? And I know that it's so common to do that, like posting before and afters, you know, their photo, their faces aren't included in the photos, obviously, but, um, I may sometimes do that in my stories if I'm working on something um, specific. Um, And even then I'll have it on my dress form um, because I, for, I I totally get for those reasons, like it can kind of make the, the women feel a little awkward. And then also the dress shop, it's like, okay, well, we sold, they knew they were buying this dress off the rack. We didn't, you know, scam them into buying a small dress or whatever the issue is, you know? So I only post, um, the 
the professional photos that I receive from brides, because that is them at their best. They feel most confident. They're going to be sharing those photos with all their friends. And that's what resonates with the other brides is they see their friend in that moment of like bliss. They look great. They look confident. And that's who, um, they want to work with is somebody who makes them feel that way, you know? Um, and I think the before and afters are sometimes an Honestly, brides don't necessarily need to know what we do. I feel like, you know, like they don't need to know the the details of it. I think sometimes that's what other seamstresses like to see. Cause that's our mindset. Like we love to see the work behind it and, Oh, what did you do? How did you fix that? And when I'm in my seamstress mindset, I'm like, I love looking at the before and afters because they're amazing. But from a bride's perspective, what is she looking for? Probably not knowing how much boning we put in a dress, but wow she, her figure looks incredible as the end result. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Absolutely. I, um, you, bustles Bustles are a good (laughs) middle ground. Leslie says before and after bustles are a good middle ground. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Like if you have, um, Instagram loves to, for you to have like multiple pictures so you can have like, um, the, the end result, the beautiful professional photo, and then you can swipe to see the bustle creation or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, Stephanie's saying, I definitely didn't think of that. I tend to think people like to see what you can do in the final results, a way for you to, to have them more trust in your skills. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've, I've never posted before and after, and I haven't seen that like affect my, um, my stream of, you know, income or my stream of, um, clients that are coming through. So it could just be your preference too of what you want to showcase. Well, and it's how you want your client to feel when they come to your social media. What what problem are you really solving for them? How are you making their bridal experience better? And I think when we're thinking about what kind of content we should put out there, the experience is more important. Um, I work with a lot of hairdressers. And one thing that became a trend in the last year or two is to host their formulas. And I tell my clients, like, that's great if you're marketing to other hairdressers, but your clients don't care what formula it is unless they're going to like go to Sally's and try to make it their own, which you don't want them to do. Um, So it's the same kind of concept, right? You don't want to be, oh, here's how you DIY your dress, right? That's not what you're trying to do. So you don't have to pull the curtain completely back, right? You can, there's a little bit of mystery there. That's okay. Um, and so, yeah. And before and afters are tricky because you have to ask permission from your client. And then does that lower their experience a little bit because you're asking to use them as marketing? Maybe it depends on the person and how they feel about it. So if you're going to do before and afters and you really want that as part of your marketing, I would try to save that for people that you know, really well, who are friends, um, who are maybe other seamstresses and you guys like work with each other and help each other do that kind of thing. Um, because really your audience doesn't know if this was an actual bride of yours or not. Mm-hmm. So you can do things like that or before and afters for, if you create accessories, like if you make veils, you can incorporate that as a, a before and after, you know, the difference that a veil makes on a bridal look or, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit smaller and, um, isn't as overwhelming and as vulnerable, uh, potentially for your clients. <clears throat> okay, so 
finding those boutiques on social media, starting to build those relationships. I love the idea of a reach out. Cold reach outs, I don't recommend just because they usually go right into spam. Um, it, the way that I think about it is, would you want to get this email or, or this message? And if you wouldn't want to get it and you wouldn't respond to it in a positive way, then don't send it out, right? So building that relationship, then sending that email um, and that's, that's a great way to connect with people. And then being able to actually set up a time to go in where you're not just like showing up and saying, Hey, I'm here. I want to meet people, um, making those in-person introductions. And then when they do refer people to you, make an active effort to try and figure out, um, who referred this person to you. If it wasn't the boutique directly calling you and follow up with thank you notes. Um, the other thing too, that is a great thing that you can do when you are building that relationship on social media is to establish if they even take outside seamstresses, right? Because there are some boutiques who have in-house seamstresses and they don't work with anybody outside of their organization. And so if you then go and pitch yourself, that clearly tells them like, you didn't pay any attention to our business. You didn't do your research. And so that's a really important um, piece of that puzzle as well. <clears throat> Okay, so networking events. This one is really fun and can also be really scary, especially if you are a little bit introverted. Networking events can be very vulnerable because a lot of times you will go to them and you will know nobody there, but they are a great way to expand your network within the bridal world and outside of that because lots of people get married, right? So you can build friendships with other business owners, build connections with other business owners who know what it's like to own a business, right? Who can be that, you know, sounding board or venting wall for you, but also can be somebody who sends clients your way. Um, so I, last night at the last minute, decided to go to this networking event I had been invited to. I knew nobody there except for the person who was speaking. And I was like, you know, what? I'm just going to, you know, put on makeup and go. So I did. And it was fantastic. I met so many new people. I was able to introduce my business to new people. And one of the girls there I went to high school with, we cheered together in high school um, and we reconnected. And now we're going to go out to dinner next week. So you know, you just never know what's going to happen at these events. And so that, even if you're scared, do it anyways, because it can make a huge impact on your business. So a few things that I suggest when you're looking for networking events is look for inclusive events. I'm not a huge fan of any kind of networking that's like we only allow one person from each you know, niche and then nobody else is allowed and you have to meet a certain number of referrals and you have to pay us a lot of money every year. And those probably have their place, but they are really kind of outdated and on their way out. I like inclusive events where everybody who owns a business is invited and it's community over competition in the truest form and you can all support each other, right? So Yes, it's easy to get caught in that mindset of like, oh, well, she's also doing the same thing I'm doing. So, you know, I don't want to both have both of us be here or we shouldn't be friends because we're both doing the same thing in the same area. But the reality is you likely have very different clients. You likely have different styles. You likely have different price points and ideas of, of the experience you want to create. And that's fine. And you can teach each other and you can both learn and grow, right? Nadine and I are both in the coaching space. We both live in Washington 
and we are great friends. So there's nothing wrong with creating that community within what might be considered your competition. And it, I think too, like for, I know like with my own experience, I've never seen another seamstress at an event. Cause I feel like there's this voice in the back of most seamstresses heads. Like, Oh, I don't belong here because I don't own that kind of business. Like I, I don't sell stuff. I don't have a retail space or whatever is coming up in your head. Like, um, so I think if you were to find some kind of networking group, I know, like, I don't know, I'd be like 99% put money on this, that you would be the only bridal seamstress. And I think that's what we need is to bring that like relevance to the table that, you know, we are such a crucial part of wedding planning and we deserve a seat at that table with the photographers and the wedding planners and all that stuff. So, um, I would, Yeah. I would put yourself out there knowing that you're going to be the only one and you're repping the seamstress world right. <laughs> in your local groups. <laughs> well, yeah, because I think like, I mean, I got married a long time ago. I got married almost 13 years ago, but now if I were to get married right now, top of mind, I, I know tons of florists. I know tons of photographers. Like I wouldn't need any recommendations, but if I didn't know Nadine, I would know no seamstresses. I would just listen to whatever the boutique told me, you know, go to this person. And that's what I would do. But every other vendor for a wedding, I know dozens of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I know who I would hire to be a photographer at my imaginary wedding, you know? So, um, (laughs) so that's, you can create that for people that they know, okay, I know that I want Kathy. It doesn't matter what boutique I go to. I want Kathy to do my dress because we've created a relationship and I know she does a great job. Right. Right. Um, Stephanie said, yes, last networking. Okay. Sorry. Last networking event. I went to one of the sponsors was a bridal shop and I was able to make the connection with them that when they needed a new seamstress, I was one of the first people they reached out to. That Mm -hmm. is awesome because how many other seamstresses probably went to this networking event? That's so great. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And being a service provider, whether you have a space or you're in your home, you are just as much a legitimate business as anybody else's and you are selling yourself and your talents and your experience. Right. So, um, and hopefully you add some products and some passive income in there as well, but you, your business is you, you know, and you get to create this amazing experience for people. You get to spend more time with them than probably any other vendor. And you get to really form this amazing relationship. So don't, limit yourself or make yourself feel like your business is not worthy or not as good as fill in the blank because it 100% is. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> okay. So go to as many as you can. Now don't, you know, don't go to a meeting every single night, but if you can get to one or two a month, do it. You don't know who you're going to meet. You don't know what you're going to learn. You don't know what you're going to get out of it. And the worst thing that's going to happen is you're going to go and you're going to say, Oh, this one wasn't for me. And I'm not going to come back. That's fine. You know, that's totally fine. Um, there's Zoom opportunities. I get messages about Zoom networking events like all the time. So if you are still not feeling like you want to go to in-person events, you can totally do things over Zoom as well. Um, okay. The other thing that is a part of that in-person networking is going to retreats and conferences. You should always be educating yourself whenever you can. There's always room for growth. There's always room to get better. And there's always room to meet new people. So 
Obviously, again, because I'm not a seamstress, I am not familiar with a ton of uh, industry-specific conferences, but I did research, and these are some that I um, came up with that were all great and that welcome all wedding vendors, not just planners or not just boutiques. And I'm sure, I mean, you could create your own too if you really wanted to. Mm -hmm. Um, So it just depends on the level of of work and commitment you want to do. But these are great opportunities and you can screenshot this and go look these up if you want to. They're kind of all in different places across the country. And I think one of them is in Jamaica. Um, so you know, <laughs> a uh, vacation that's a business write-off, the ability to connect with new people and the ability to learn something. And why not? You know, you, we should always be learning. So these are, these are fun, different, different events and, and all different speakers all over the place. Um, well, if anybody wants to screenshot that, Kathy asked, um, I'm in a rural area. How does someone find out about networking events? Yes. So Facebook, <laughs> I don't use Facebook for a lot of things, but networking events is one of them where you um, can search for things. Eventbrite is another one. Um, a lot of Eventbrite uh, events are public because they want people to come outside of the circle of the people who are putting them on. So the event I went to last night, it was put on by somebody that I knew, but I found it through Eventbrite. I didn't even know she was putting it on. So, um, and Eventbrite has the ability for you to go in and search for a certain type of event, and then you can hit uh, emails. So you can get emails that tell you, hey, there's a there's an event in you know June that might meet your qualifications, something like that. Okay. Thank you. So those are good opportunities. And then if you have local friends who are in the same industry or just are business owners, ask them, see if there's anything right. that they have been to um, that they enjoyed. And then you can get plugged in that way. Yeah. I mean, I, um, one of the groups that I'm in, um, it, it became about like somebody we connected on Instagram and she was a local small business. And then I said, Hey, do you have any, like, where do you kind of find your encouragement? Um, and then she told me about this group that she's in and I don't, I haven't gone to one of their meetings in a long time, but it's just nice to, I've met so many wedding vendors through that group, even though it's not a specific wedding networking group, it's, it was just a small business collective in my area. So yeah, yeah. reaching out to local businesses that aren't necessarily wedding related, I think will go a long way too. Okay. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. If you live in a city, then finding more uh, niche specific networking events might be possible, but in more suburban rural areas, yeah, you're probably going to look for something that's small business in general or business owners in general. um, And those are going to be your best, your best opportunities for sure. Or create your own, you know, (laughs) if if you can't find it, you could build it. Um, If that's something that's on your heart and important to you and you, you want to create that kind of community, you, you know, that's something you can do as well. A little more work, a little more investment, but it's there for you. Okay. Okay. The next thing is styled shoots. Has anybody participated in a styled shoot? No. Oh, you have, Nadine. Um, and I, I, this was 2020. So I had a bunch of brides who that, that it was right after the announcement was made that like, you know, you could only have like 10 people at your wedding. So, um, it was really, really emotional for a lot of my brides. And so I contacted a local photographer and a florist and it was, there were just people that I kind of had met in passing 
And then it happens that the um, the five women that chose to participate, some women didn't want it because they were nervous about COVID. They didn't want to be around other people before their wedding date or their elopement <laughs> or whatever it ended up being. Um, and so they all happened to come from the same bridal shop. And we picked a day where they came to my shop. They got dressed in their dresses. They got their makeup done. And it was so like, I think about that. It's like one of my best memories because the girls were so pumped to just put their dresses on, you know, before the wedding day. And I have a picture of them actually in my, um, in my shop printed out, but they received free bridal portraits. Um, the, the floral, whatever the floral, florist. Why was that so hard for me to say? Um, (laughs) We received obviously free advertising. The photographer received free advertising. That was another like volunteer effort. Like Jessica had mentioned that we obviously volunteered our time. um, But then I was tagged in everything too. I didn't volunteer the alterations. Like I got paid for that, but Mm -hmm. um, it was like a gift for these brides. And so I'd like, it's, it's hard for us to be included in styled shoots because, um, most of the time brides are renting a dress from a bridal shop and Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And then it's like, they don't get alterations done. So Mm -hmm. that would be something that we would initiate with a photographer. I have this bride. She's really, you know, effervescent. She'd be interested in this photo shoot. And then you plan around a bride that you're already working towards. Is this okay, Jessica, that I am? Okay. I have other ideas too, but yes, please. Yeah. (laughs) And you can even just keep it like, between, well, you'll need a photographer. You could do a photographer and a makeup artist or a photographer and a hairstylist or a photographer and florist or photographer Mm -hmm. and like a cake, a baker or something. It can be a very small, it doesn't have to be a huge, um, styled event, but you're off the top. You're going to have alterations, the dress boutique, the floor, um, the photographer, and then you can add an additional vendor and then that's your styled shoot. So Mm -hmm. they're easier to organize than you think. You just have to start with the bride. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of styled shoots that I have seen or been a part of were, you know, they found a bride and they're like, Hey, bring your dress. You know, as long as you got married in the last five years, you bring your dress. Right. But as a seamstress, obviously you don't want that. You want something that you've had your hands on. So there's a couple of ways that you can do that. And this is an actual styled shoot from one of my friends, Cassie Newquist. She's a photographer. She does a lot of these, um, during her off season. Um, and that's how she built her business. But this one I think was like 15 vendors. Like Nadine said, you don't have to have that many, but you can. Like the sky is the limit really on how big or small you want to scale a styled shoot. Um, But it's kind of two-prong, right? So it gives you free marketing photos, which you can use everywhere. Um, Anytime that you're doing any kind of event, when you need to update your website, when you need to update your social media, when you have um, investment packages that you're sending out to people, like beautiful imagery makes a huge difference. And it can be a gigantic investment for you to get branded photos. Um, So if you have the opportunity to do a styled shoot where everybody benefits and you can get some photos for free, 100% do it. So a few things that I think are really helpful, partner with, obviously you need to partner with other vendors. You need to partner with vendors that you like, that you've met before, hopefully, Or if somebody else is coordinating it, at least you need to know the coordinator, right? You don't want to just go in blind to any kind of free offering that you're doing because you want to make sure that 
what you're putting into it, the other people are also putting into it, right? Nothing is worse than like, hey, we've put all this work in and this photographer is super inexperienced and the photos did not turn out well, right? So that would be a major bummer. So making sure that you are just keeping that top of mind and being aware of who is involved if you are not the one coordinating it. Sorry, the upstairs neighbors have a very loud dog. <laughs> um, establish relationships and then you can become the go-to person for future styled shoots that they might do and for referrals because all of these people are active wedding vendors, right? So they may be somebody who has a referral list on their website or as part of their um, new vendor packet that might have a bunch of referrals in it. It might just be word of mouth. It might be, hey, my sister's getting married and she just asked me if I knew a seamstress and I didn't, but now I do. So there's a lot of opportunity there to create relationships and even take these people and turn that into some kind of networking group as well. Um, do several of these, but do them during your off season, right? Do yourself a favor. Do not try to shove these in during wedding season uh, in your area, whatever that looks like, especially if you are the one coordinating it, you are going to be much more likely to be able to get the kind of vendors that you want in the off season than you are obviously during the busy season. Um, if you're going to use a venue, you need to plan it probably on a weekday, probably on, you know, a Tuesday or Wednesday that are their slow days. You know, you just want to keep all of that stuff in mind because you're asking people to do this stuff for free. So make sure that you're conscious of all of that. Um, there's a couple of different options if you want to actually highlight your alterations. Maybe you alter a sample from a bridal store that they're not going to use anymore. Maybe it's out of season. Maybe it's slightly damaged. And you don't obviously have to do full alterations, but maybe you do something small. I don't know any alterations to organs. I'm not going to try, but maybe you do something small that just puts your stamp on it. Or maybe you just take photos that looks like you are fixing something, right? You don't necessarily have to do any alterations. Um, you can contribute handmade accessories. I know some of you make veils, other things. Maybe you don't do the dress. Maybe you've just done the veil. Um, so that is a good opportunity for you or alter a secondhand gown, take what, whatever the model is, go to Goodwill together, find something cool and do something fun, right? That might be a fun opportunity to get really creative and do something different than what you would normally do. Um, and not have to worry about really, you know, using a multi-thousand dollar gown to do it. Um, and then the last thing is use a contract and a shot list. I know we all want to trust each other. We all want to believe that everybody is going to show up at the level that we're going to show up at. But the truth is, it's not always going to happen. So use a contract for what is required from everybody for the shoot, when they need to show up, how long they need to be there, what they need to supply, and what you want from them after the shoot, what kind of marketing you want from them. And if somebody else is putting this on and you're participating in it, then make sure that you ask about that. What is everybody required to do? What are your expectations? And how are we all going to benefit from this besides just having photos that kind of float around in the universe? Um, and then a shot list too. So if you're going to participate in something, yes, I will absolutely do it. I need these five photos for my business and then I will do it. You know, So what are some images that you know that you need? Um, maybe it's stuff that you need to put on your website. Maybe it's something you need for an upcoming um, like pamphlet or something that you're making for people. So making sure that you keep that top of mind because yes, it's a fun creative outlet, but it also should benefit your business. So just keep that stuff in mind as you're planning or you are joining in on a shoot. Now, places where you can find these shoots. In my area where I live, 
People post about these things in community Facebook groups all the time. Hey, we're looking for this vendor. We're looking for that vendor. We're looking to set up a style shoot for this. So pay attention to that. And if you want to build a styled shoot and you don't know a ton of vendors in your area, then that's your best friend. Go and look for people and then, you know, obviously vet them. Don't say yes before you see their work and see, you know, if it meets the standards that you have set for the event. Um, but that's a great opportunity to connect with people and to find people who um, can, can participate. And we're more connected than ever. So you have more opportunity to do these kinds of things than, than you ever did before. All right. So those are the main ways that you can kind of go right now and start building community and start improving your visibility. I did create some templates for you and I'll share the uh, URLs with Nadine so she can post them for you. One of them is a tag. So you can put your photo in there and your logo and you can use that for if you're going to give out snacks at events, if you, or you're going to go meet new vendors, you're going to go to a networking group and maybe you're bringing snacks or something for them there. You can use this cute little tag and obviously change it to your brand colors and font. And then the second one is a wrap uh, card that's a little bit more detailed, more opportunity to put photos of your work. And that's great for bringing to networking events, but also if you're going to meet with a boutique or you're going to meet with people to talk about a styled shoot, this is just an opportunity for them to get to know you a little bit more, see that your work is legitimate and that they can connect with you in all these different ways. So all these templates are super easy to use in Canva and then you can just change the colors and the font input your photos and you'll be good to go. Thank you. Those are so cute. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So that is all that I have for you guys for today. If you have other questions though, that pop up, please feel free to reach out to me on Instagram or via email. You can feel free to screenshot this. Um, I'm happy to answer any questions or just, you know, chat out any ideas that you might have as well. All right. I hope you enjoyed that training as much as I did. Thanks for tuning in. And I want to remind you of our weekly giveaways that are still happening until the end of summer. So to enter, you can share this podcast on your Instagram stories. And don't forget to tag me, Nadine.Bozeman, so I can see your entry. Another way to enter, ooh, we kind of changed the rules a little bit, is by leaving a review on uh, your favorite podcast platform. So wherever you listen to platforms, wherever you listen to platforms, wherever you listen to podcasts, (laughs) leave a review, share what you like about the podcast, share who you think should be tuning in, and that will enter you into our weekly giveaway. So each week we're sharing podcast merch, shipping out presents every week to add a little pep in your steps so you can get through this crazy record-breaking season. All right, thanks again for tuning in, and I will talk to you next week.